Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the go-to resource for farms across the U.S. looking to grow and manage their business. Tune in weekly to hear tips and tactics from our most successful farmers on how to increase sales, access more customers, and save time and money. We'll also speak with industry experts, business leaders, and partners to share the latest farm business trends selling direct to market. Hey, welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. I'm James, uh, your host for today's episode. And we've got a great conversation for you today with AgriWeb's Director of Strategic Accounts, Hobie Buck. Uh, AgriWeb is uh, the all-in-one livestock management app that helps farmers and ranchers stay connected, map their farm, uncover insights, drive profits, enhance sustainability, and streamline operations. They do a lot, clearly. <laughs> Today, we're going to dive into some data and insights with AgriWeb's State of the Global Farmer Report. This is a really valuable resource that we're going to dig into, lots of great information to discuss. And the great part about it is we've got Kobe, who's a fifth-generation rancher, and he's been with AgriWeb for several years now and has grown into a leadership position, actually, as Director of Strategic Accounts. Welcome, Kobe. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, James. Um, excited to be here. Well, hey, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal story and what you were doing prior to AgriWeb? So you're your fifth generation rancher. You know, what did that entail? Yeah, I mean, exactly what most uh, fifth generation ranchers entail. I mean, grew up on the operation, working side by side with my folks. Our ranch is located in northeastern Colorado, western Nebraska, and Kansas. So uh, we run mostly a cow-calf operation, uh, commercial black Angus, maybe some sim Angus on the terminal side. But really just learned ranching by way of fence post uh, and quickly grew to help my dad on the management decisions. And and then after high school, left, uh, went to the East Coast for college. And after graduating just Spent about five years working in global commodity supply chains after understanding the data, the needs, the insights that th those global supply chains have. I got inspired and got connected with AgriWeb to, to help launch it in the United States to, to push the agriculture industry kind of toward those global supply chains that I had experience with. Well, that's fantastic. AgriWeb is a great partner. Barney Dora, it's great to hear your involvement at AgriWeb. Tell us a little bit about your evolution of responsibilities at AgriWeb. You said you just got started with them. Initially, you were a U.S. account manager. What did that entail? Yeah, a pretty unconventional start for AgriWeb in the United States. I got asked to join, I think, March of 2020. Um, it was an eventful month, if you don't remember. Yeah, I recall that. <laughs> a little bit the of pan lockdowns, yeah. right? Yes. Exactly. The pandemic really kicked off right afterwards. So um, luckily, I was able to get out of New York, where I was working um, previously, and really started laying the seeds for AgriWeb US at the ranch office. So worked with producers and uh, helped launch the product, get it prepared for the U.S. markets. And as we really went to market and started offering this to, to ranchers all over the United States, I quickly approached our customers from a business perspective, really engaging those customers after the sales process, ensuring that AgriWeb meted their demands and took feedback from them to help improve the product. So managing those accounts, it's more so working with those ranchers to, to help them uh, improve their operations using AgriWeb. Yeah, that's a big deal. Uh, you guys are like us, a, a software company, and we can only improve by getting feedback, especially from the strategic accounts, right? Because many times they're pushing the envelope on what you're doing with the software and with your services. So last year you were promoted actually to director of strategic accounts. Congratulations. That's great news. 
So how has your role and responsibilities evolved? I imagine you're talking to a lot of major ranchers pretty consistently now at this point. Yes. So, it, I mean, it started off talking to most ranchers underneath our um, AgriWeb customer base. Mm -hmm. But as the, the company grew, as we added a, a larger team behind it, uh, really focusing more in on the sophisticated producers, what they need to improve their operation, what functionalities that we can add, working with those operations that might be larger. Um, so the st strategic accounts start to um, work in there. And I, I spend a lot of my time working with high-level sophisticated producers. Uh, they're pushing it from a genetics perspective. They're pushing it from a regenerative or holistic management perspective or across the supply chain. So it's been good. I've also started to work a little bit more on the ground in the UK. I did my first trip to Australia where our headquarters are located. Um, so uh, yeah, lots happening. It's very excited for the, the company and I enjoy it a lot as an individual. Yeah, I mean, I imagine growing up as a fifth generation rancher, it must just be really inspiring to be able to expand beyond your own, you know, personal experience on a ranch to really touch and impact so many people around the world. And it's just great to see, um, you know, I guess notwithstanding the COVID impact, the great aspect of that is people really wanting to dig into and really understand how their food is being raised, want to understand good stewardship. People are very concerned with how animal welfare, a variety of different things, soil health. And AgriWeb has so much to offer here in terms of not just managing operations, but even just improving practices too. So let's talk a little bit about like some of the things that AgriWeb has done to, to bring forward some of the data, right? Because one of the things I find so sure. impressive with your company is the fact that you guys have such a big reach, not just here in the US, but globally, right? So you guys recently completed this state of the global farmer report for the listeners who are not familiar with that first off what was the overall intent of the survey and the report what audience are you trying to serve here yes i think overall we're just trying to serve the livestock producers globally i think our main goal for the state of the global farmer report is just that to uh, listen to farmers across the globe listen to ranchers across the globe and see what, what common interests, what common concerns, what struggles might boil to the top when it comes to what they do. I think oftentimes we can look at the livestock industry, the ranching sector, and, and kind of uh, focus too closely on geographies. But really, if you, if you take a step back, you can look across our different geographies. There is a multitude of overlap when it comes to problems, initiatives, mm -hmm. and being able to assemble that uh, and, and expose that for for the common rancher or the family that, that's producing cattle was was pretty special got it what was the scope of participation for that but you said it's a global survey how much of that was like respondents were in the u.s versus other parts of the world i might come up short on the exact breakdown i believe that we had nearly a thousand survey responses from all over the globe um because the agriweb customer base has historically been largely australian I would say the majority of respondents were Australian, but we still had several hundred, I think, in the UK, in the United States to have that, that more global approach and to be able to cross-reference any commonalities across geographies. Got it. So, Cody, reviewing the data in the report, there's a lot of great information, right? Some expected and some quite surprising. So I'd love to dig in. From, from your perspective, what, what did the, the data indicate in terms of priorities for farmers and ranchers? Yeah, I think that there are several different priorities across our different geos that really boil to the top or, or really kind of become evident when it comes to what do ranchers and farmers 
really prioritize, we see very much a commonality that we expected improving that profitability, ensuring that that they have economic viability. Uh, the last five years, especially in the U.S., have been tough and challenging for the cow-calf producer or those in the industry. Um, so ensuring that the next five years will, will be improved is a major topic on their minds. Also improving herd efficiencies when it comes to genetics, when it comes to grazing, uh, the typical breed-ups, um, weaning weights, pounds produced per acre, those types of metrics. They want to be as efficient and as productive as possible while uh, maintaining their economic risk margin and hopefully managing higher costs. Uh, the last item I think was a little bit more of a surprise, uh, maybe at the, the headline level, but less so when you start talking to the ranchers like I do in my everyday job is increasing operational efficiency. That might di be different than the actual cows, but what we mean by that is labor is consistently a challenge in these rural areas. Being able to run and plan forward and, and be able to manage effectively uh, when the labor market, the dynamics are a little bit shifting away from rural America or have been, that might be changing in the next decade. So increasing overall profitability, improving herd efficiency, increasing operational efficiency, all three of those, I can see why that's just a common thread, regardless of where your ranch is located, you know, around the world. I mean, the keys to running a good business, but especially a livestock operation, like you said, what were some of the big, biggest challenges that you saw in the data that were facing U.S. farmers and ranchers? Yeah, I would say the concerns or the challenges uh, when we started gauging sentiment was it's not a new headline. It's been present for the last year or so, but rising input cost, inflation. Um, so, I mean, really looking at it and if you overlap that with with a drought or overlap that with less attractive supply and demand economics, it, it really causes a lot of anxiety for producers across all geos. So, I mean, rising interest rates, rising fertilizer costs, rising feed costs, the, those inputs are, are really top of mind as the, the ranchers flipped over their, their calendar into 2023. I think still maintaining and improving margins, getting uh, a little bit more creative on their marketing side of things. Uh, in the United States, in addition to Australia and the UK, we saw an increased concern on, on regulatory pressures, um, maybe higher tax reforms. Those types of things always grasp the attention of, of producers. Um, that A lot of those kind of boil outside. The input costs are something that we can discuss in depth, but um, the regulations, I think, from my perspective, are, are something where we can look to operate a little bit differently, look to rejig um, how we market animals um, and, and whatnot to control what we can control. And if legislation's passed, we will have to adapt, but it shouldn't discourage people from trying new things and, and adjusting to these market dynamics. Yeah, I think one thing has been really interesting is how, um, you know, after COVID, this food sourcing is top of mind for American consumers in particular. The fact that we're seeing things that, you know, rising input costs in the past was not something that was understood by Americans. It's now a headline topic on the Wall Street Journal, right? That it is going to yes. eat prices. And now we're hearing about egg prices recently in the United States, right? So people are becoming very conscientious 
of the uh, logistic impacts and input impacts on the price of food. So again, I think this is a good thing for farmers and ranchers ultimately, because that means people are going to be even more uh, sympathetic, I think, to paying for high quality products because uh, they want to support local producers, right? That's just a very big deal. Um, Absolutely. With, uh, as I say, with these challenges in mind, what can farmers and ranchers do in your mind to, to improve their business operations and, redu and reduce or streamline their costs? Yes, I think high cost lends its hand to reevaluating if that cost is worth it. So, I mean, I think fertilizers would be a great example of this. When you overlap the the push for consumers that they want to know more about the food they consume. Um, and you look at the ROI on fertilizer at three times, seven times, 10 times the price that than it was maybe historically, um, it really actually turns into a, a unique evaluation on, all right, what is the optimal amount or do I need to uh, put fertilizer out? And if I don't, can I market my animals in a unique way to um, capitalize and align and get a premium on the other side of that. So all of those are, are really adjustments. What we focus on at AgriWeb is really being able to simply track those uh, inputs, track those direct costs, allow those those ranch managers, those farmers to, to do what they do best. They've had decades worth of experience on evaluating the trade-offs for their operation. They know it intimately. What we can do is show what the costs look like, what you would need to preserve your, your gross margin, um, being able to track the productivity from, let's say, fertilizer or, or a strong grazing regimen to see, all right, does the extra labor, does the extra inputs really factor into my operation negatively or, or are they worth the expenditure? AgriWeb, for those that don't know, we really have a systems approach to uh, livestock management. We look at, there are several different systems that a rancher has to adapt to. I mean, the ecosystem, the weather, the animal science side of things, um, the forage and the forage availability, the financials. So AgriWeb is a product that is designed around that ranch the way it looks based off of the map and allows users to not just capture their breed up, not just capture uh, their animal uh, performance but also overlap that with grazing and, and being able to look at direct cost on top of that to see which herd, which individual, which group of animals they have, what enterprise they might be deploying on their operation. It's really the one that's driving their business and driving their profitability. I imagine it's just got to be a fantastic tool to be able to leverage something like AgriWeb, particularly for regenerative farmers and ranchers who are trying to really optimize, like you said, their forage regimen and their mm -hmm. practices there, right? Like, so Absolutely. talk to me a little bit about what the report said in terms of how are farmers and ranchers thinking about technology as a vehicle to help them improve that efficiency? I mean, what, what did the data tell us in the report? Yes, I think that's one thing that we were very excited about. I mean, when we send this report out is not just our customer base, it is whoever is aligned with livestock production, they can fill out this report as well. And we had a large number of people from outside the AgriWeb product that come in and fill out this survey. So the majority of farmers and ranchers globally uh, saw technology as a vital piece of their future success on the operation. Being able to, in my mind, my dad's been working on our family operation for 35 years, if not longer, um, downloading that previous generation's brain on how they practice, how they manage, why they do so, mm -hmm. so that, 
I mean, as we come into this generational shift on who's producing our food, you can reference and, and utilize the previous generation's experience and expertise to produce animals and produce livestock in an economically viable way that aligns everything or aligns profitability, trying new marketing strategies with what the land gives you, how you should treat the land. And I think that's that's very special. I mean, to see a majority of respondents see that as a vital um, portion to their future success is great. And I think as we look forward in the supply chains, as we look forward to shifting the way that we continue to produce safe and, and viable protein, it, it gives room for a lot of excitement. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. I was happy to read in the report, but it's at 51.6% of respondents said that tech would be very important for the success of their farm in the future. And like you said, that next generation rancher or farmer, uh, you know, the ability for them to take that map that's in their father's head of how they've been <laughs> rotating their grazing patterns or rotating to different paddocks and what have you, you know, now make that actually something that, you know, they can actually manage on AgriWeb through and out, right on their mobile phone, right? Why not take advantage of that? Why don't you share a little bit more about like how AgriWeb actually does that today for farmers and ranchers, right? Absolutely. So when it comes to what is AgriWeb, it's best to walk through a couple of examples. So if you feel like AgriWeb's worth exploring for your operation, get in touch with us, visit us at agriweb.com. You can start a trial. And really in the first couple of days of that trial, you will be approached by someone from AgriWeb to see how you're engaging about uh, with with the product, what your goals are from the operational side. Uh, then we also help you map your operation so that you can see it, your operation as it lies. And then from there, the record keeping um, is fairly intuitive. I mean, when you're moving cattle out of a pasture, you drag that that group and drop it into the next. We start capturing days of rest on that previous pasture, days of, of grazing time. Um, start deducting the amount of forage from your forage amount. So you drag and drop, we start capturing five or six data points on the backside. So when you get home, you can look at that report and, and see just exactly how your pastures are mapping it and lining up. Um, if it's breeding, you drag and drop bulls into it, creates a joining record or a natural service record. And then when it comes to marking and branding, you click on the mob and you said that you want to brand the calves and they, they naturally kind of feed through. So our goal is to make it as user-friendly uh, to really target that 60 or 65-year-old farmer or rancher that, that might get a little skeptical about how easy technology is and really facilitate a positive interaction that they feel comfortable doing that really leads to massive steps down the years or down the management system being able to benchmark your operation from a grazing perspective or, or from a weaning weights perspective and see how you're tracking toward that year after year. That, that sounds fantastic. I just, I, you can just imagine, you know, your father, for instance, and managing their team and thinking about like, Hey, what pasture, how long these animals can stay on this pasture versus how quickly he might move them through another pasture and then how long it may need to rest. He probably just has all this information in his head, like you said, from decades of experience that, you know, what's likely he's going to sit down and explain that all little versus having an app that's effectively just capturing that in real time, right? Like day over day, week over week, month over month, I could very well imagine after a couple of years of use, particularly, you just have this incredible wealth of, of knowledge and mapping 
that it would make it much easier to translate this off and hand it off to another ranch manager, right? Absolutely. And I think to extend that, I mean, no year is the same in, yeah. in farming ranching. I mean, you get rains at different times, you get snow at different times, volumes of precipitation change quite often. So I, I look at like this past year as a great example of, of what it means to keep track of those records. Um, on our feed inventory side of things, you can populate how many hay bales you have, how, mm -hmm. how much feed you have on hand. Um, and when we went through a winter in the northern states, in the mountain states that we had this year with a, a large portion of snow um, that we haven't seen in 20 or 30 years, the method of the madness that my dad will always say, I mean, you need a year's worth of hay just in case you have that bad blizzard really boiled to the top. I mean, uh, if you didn't have that hay, the markets started to get pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there has been an underlying initiative to, to minimize the amount of winter feed mm -hmm. that uh, a lot of ranchers need, but that doesn't that shouldn't correlate to the amount of feed you have on hand because you have these once in a generation type of events that really test your ability to really manage that operation um, in inclement weather. Yeah, well, let's let's shift over maybe to the revenue side, right? We've been talking a lot of ways mm -hmm. in which you can manage costs, right? And that's certainly one way to expand your margin, right? On the other side of that is increasing revenue for the business overall, right? Either expanding avenues to market or, or an increase in price from a margin perspective. So tell us a little bit about kind of the shifts you're starting to see there, and particularly any data that came from your survey as to, you know, ranchers' openness to actually going direct to market. Absolutely. I think to set the scenario, farmers and ranchers uh, globally, they have been experimenting and adopting value-added programs uh, for the last five or six years, if not longer. And a big takeaway is that these value-added programs are here to stay. Um, like the, the premiums there are, the supply chains that have been fitted around these products, it feels like the all-naturals, the NHTCs, um, the organic supply chains, I mean, they're going to have a, a major presence in our supply chain moving forward. Now we're starting to see the continued innovation of the, these ranchers in addition to just doing value-added programs, really a propensity to start experimenting and, and uh, putting some of their cattle into direct consumer supply chains. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, looking at our survey, I want to say around 40, 50% are experimenting with direct-to-consumer marketing. So uh, that might not be all of their animals. That might be a cohort of their animals that go to grass-fed beef or that go to I know Wagyu continues to increase popularity, but um, really experimenting with different ways that they can grow the revenue and the price they get per unit within the, the gates of the farm. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty dramatic shift. I know we work with a lot of folks who are cow-calf producers who are putting their fo first foot forward or first toe in the, in the pool, I should say, in terms of going direct to market, right? And I was really encouraged to see the data in your survey that over 50% now producers are looking to sell some uh, or all of their beef direct to market. And, and the margins are just so much more significant, right? We certainly see it because we see both wholesale and retail uh, on our new door. And so we certainly see, you know, oftentimes a three, four, and even five X increase in the 
you know, the price that a rancher is getting <laughs> for that product. And now that comes with some tax per se, not just necessarily mm-hmm. tax necessarily on a product, but more importantly, in terms of direct customer relationships and marketing and building mm-hmm. a brand. Uh, but great to see that producers are actually seeing this as an opportunity. Kind of curious your thoughts. I don't know if you watched the show Yellowstone, which I know a lot of folks kind of laugh about at times. But the fact that even Yellowstone was even mentioning this, hey, maybe we need to start to go direct to market because we could just make so much more money as a ranch. Yes, I'm familiar with Yellowstone. So I find it fascinating as well, I think. Um, Sheridan, when it comes to, I mean, making it topical and appropriate to the the real rancher highlights some pretty important themes um, and direct-to-consumer expanding upwards through the supply chain, um, being able to keep those animals on farm for as long as possible and thus capture more value is a trend that uh, continues to to occur. Um, and I also think like we always often talk about the the negative actions on when it comes to regulation. But I mean, if you look at the processor space, the deregulation that we've had starting to cut some red tape and, and allowing more local plants and uh, regional plants to be um, USDA approved or being able to ship product uh, between states more easily. I mean, I think that that's a tailwind for, for us as an industry and looking at different options when it comes to marketing and increasing revenue and profitability. Yeah, I would say in the past year, certainly during COVID, we heard a lot about processing constraints, right? They were super top of mind. We often heard from farmers and ranchers that they would love to go direct to market, but they just couldn't get any dates with their processor for harvesting their animals. So what are some of the trends that you're starting to see in terms of access or improved access to USDA or state processing facilities? You mentioned some deregulation that's having some positive impacts here. Yes, you're really seeing it up and down the scale of size. I mean, I think that that's one thing that has garnered a lot of attention is high profits in one portion of the supply chain lead to new investments, lead to a sharper pencil when it comes to new players or or rejigging um, older processing facilities. So over the last two or three or four years, maybe longer, because we, we've known that the processing capacity has been an issue for our industry for quite some time, but you have seen a lot of investment go toward large plants, medium plants, and those more local small plants that might just do somewhere between one, two, three head a week or 10 or 15 head a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, really up and down the the processor and in packing plant design, you're, you're really starting to see incremental capacity come online, which is uh, on the macro level, a boon for for uh, producers, but then, I mean, looking at what each and any rancher can deploy is a direct consumer path where they can yeah. sell into their local market and that has compounding effects both in the local economy and on the ranch as a whole. Yeah. That's a huge, huge benefit, right? You know, no reason Absolutely. to buy beef from, you know, a, a rancher from across the country, uh, if you can get the beef locally, right, and support a local producer and, and local jobs and keeping the money local, right? Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, and I would say I would kind of overlap this with a lot of the the environment and, and climate action uh, talk that we've had just as a country, as a, a, a world. Like I look at one of the cheapest ways to decrease emissions in, in the beef supply chain or the, the animal protein supply chain is to really quickly decrease the the transportation miles. So yeah. if you can 
bring uh, an animal to the local processor, and that's 10 miles as opposed to 200, I mean, that's a very drastic reduction. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. I know uh, in Washington State, they've even, even been experimenting with the first kind of USDA certified mobile processors, actually bringing mm-hmm. the processor to the rancher. You know, like you said, maybe they're only processing 10 head a month and they just need the processor to come on site one day a month. It's a lot easier to do that if you've got a, a facility provided you've got the support oftentimes from a, a USDA agent who's going to be there on site. So it requires Absolutely. some coordination, but it's good to see that they're beginning to experiment with those things. Well, I'd love to shift gears, just given your your experience with where you came from, what you're doing today, to talk a little bit about the future, right? Uh, really curious in terms of your experience as a fifth generation rancher, now working in tech, where do you see the business of farming and ranching evolving looking ahead? And we don't have to talk 10 or 20 years, but even in the next three to five years, like what do you think the expectations of buyers and ranchers, how is that going to impact the, the future of ranching? Yes, I think as of today, let's say, it seems like we're coming into a different uh, supply and demand dynamic when it comes to beef and and protein production. Um, I completely have concern for those ranchers that are in drought and have not been able to preserve a lot of their herd. But as we stand right now, live cattle prices, feeder calf prices are, are near at or above record highs. So in addition to that, um, leverage is starting to shift more toward the producer as a whole. I'm very optimistic when it comes to the economic performance of um, the upstream supply chain nodes of cow-calf producers and grass-based um, livestock operations. I think that they will see uh, more profitability even with higher input costs mm-hmm. uh, if they can manage their risk. Today, until for at least for the next 18 months, it's very optimistic from of research perspective. But looking, kind of taking a longer view, I think for those families that are, and those are families and individuals that are dedicated to a livelihood of ranching, farming, and livestock production, the next five years, the next 10 years, the and onwards looks like a very exciting time. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities. We do not have enough people coming back to rural America to dedicate their livelihood to livestock production. What that means is people that are there that are focused on that as a business will have opportunities to expand their operations, to extend their fence lines, um, and really come out of uh, this generational kind of shift and succession with more energy with larger operations, with with more productive animals and a marketing scheme or a, an array of marketing schemes that really allow them to preserve their their viability and, and increase their profitability. I too share your enthusiasm, Kobe. I think it's a very exciting time, both in terms of the buyer expectations of wanting to know ranchers and farmers and their willingness to pay for high quality products that are produced locally. And like you said, the tools and technology that companies like AgriWeb and Barn Door produce to enable farmers and ranchers to do what they do best, right? And bring, yep. their, bring their products to market. Very exciting time. Any and other we, final thoughts or feedback before we before we sign off? Yeah, just kind of uh, overlapping the, the optimism from a demographic perspective. If you look at the regenerative push, the idea, the traction that, that this movement's going toward, I think a lot of ranchers have likely been on that growth curve for a lot longer than people think. I mean, when we 
started uh, the Bray Ranch. We used Alan Savory's rotational grazing design from day one to increase forage. So a lot of producers have decades of experience on improving grazing regimens, improving the sustainability aspects of the product that they produce. Uh, and now we have a, a large microphone and a large ability to to broadcast that narrative to consumers that are more conscious of what they consume. Protein being a major and important side of that healthy and balanced diet for not just Americans, but a rising middle class globally. It's very exciting. And I think that looking at how we really capitalize on the sustainability and regenerative push, demographic uh, and supply and demand opportunities and, and optimism, I think it's really capturing that information to use as evidence that this is how your animals are raised. And, and that's what we focus on. That's what we get up in the morning to do at AgriWeb. So if anyone is is interested, please visit our website. Please jump on with us. And we'd love to get to know you, understand your operation, and work with you to capitalize on a lot of these major themes and opportunities moving forward. Well said, Cubby. Uh, again, we share your enthusiasm here at Barn to Door. Very exciting time for farmers and ranchers, not to just be investing in these types of regenerative practices, but to also benefit from buyer's demand for their, such products uh, and to willingness to pay for that, right? That's just a really great outcome, both sides of the coin, uh, in terms of improving profitability for the farmers and improving sustainability of their practices. So really great, great feedback, Kobe. I want to extend my thanks to Kobe and the entire AgriWeb team for joining us on this week's podcast episode. Here at Barn to Door, we're humbled to support thousands of farms across the country, and we're honored to get the opportunity to learn more from our most successful farmers who share tactics and resources and tools that they use to grow and manage their farm business, like using AgriWeb. For more information on AgriWeb, I encourage you to go check out their website. Go to agriweb.com. That's A-G-R-I-W-E-B-B.com or follow them on social media at AgriWeb. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Direct Farm Podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. For more free farm resources, tips, and tactics that our most successful farms use to grow and manage their business, visit barndoor.com slash resources. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Direct Farm Podcast to automatically download our weekly episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.